Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Back together again. It's me coming to you from the uh, from Belgium still uh, on vacation. Nate there on the East Coast. Uh, and we are bringing you a Thursday night slate here, Nate. Uh, a pretty small one. Bunch of back-to-backs as well in the NBA tonight. Uh, so we'll be talking about a few things, a few game videos, as well as those player props that we love to bring you each and every weekday. Make sure to like and subscribe so you can, can continue to follow along with us all regular season and into the playoffs. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have our great written content for you guys all season long and our odds finder tool, which you can go ahead and use to shop those lines to the best of your ability across U.S. sportsbooks. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into the lines for tonight and then talk about this first game, Philly and Atlanta. Yeah, I believe everybody is on a back-to-back. Everybody in the NBA had to play Monday and Wednesday. No games Tuesday. Um, And so we do get a short four-game slate here after that. So the Mavs minus three and a half at Wizards is one that totals all the way down to 208. The game we're looking at here, Sixers right now are plus one and a half at Atlanta, and that totals at 222. Hornets plus 11 at the Heat, total around 215. And then the other game will break down right now. Blazers plus six and a half at the Pelicans, total of 226. Uh, With the Hawks, you always got to talk home road splits first and foremost. It matters for other teams. It matters for them a lot more. And the first thing I look at is just how they get up for games against Eastern Conference contenders. Uh, And I was pretty surprised even at how strong of a correlation there is when I go through the the game log. They've won 14 of their last 17 at home against the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, the the premier teams. And you can even throw away two of those losses uh, last December during the Omicron variant where the Hawks were playing with like a skeleton crew. Trey was in for one of those games against the Heat, but they had like no centers. They had, you know, it's just losses to throw out. Um, that includes one of their losses against the Sixers too. And they also then turned around and beat the Sixers with no Trey Young, no starters of any sort. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Bede and Maxi were out there for the Sixers I mean, we know this is a different Sixers team now that James Harden's out a month. They're going to showcase their depth. They're going to spread the ball around a little more. Embiid has looked pretty good since coming back from his non-COVID illness here. Um, I mean, Atlanta has some big bodies to throw at him, though. Uh, not not your typical monster numbers from Embiid, I guess. The last five trips to State Farm, 27 points per game, 53% field goal, only getting nine free throw attempts. I say only. Uh, that's still quite a bit. Um, I I mean, the Atlanta defense, much better at home. Of course, their offense also better. They do tend to play faster. But when these teams meet, I don't know if it's the Embiid factor or what. Uh, but, man, it is slowed down. It's a 96 pace, under in seven straight meetings. Sixers are getting 103. The Hawks are getting 100. I, again, two of those... Most recent meetings were completely affected by COVID, and I guess you can throw that out. But the, it just hasn't been that high scoring, which is strange because that's how the Hawks tend to play at home. I mean, that's why you get a, a pretty high total, 222. I mean, if it continues to drop a little bit because of this recent history, I I think the over is definitely in play. I mean, the way the Hawks are playing this particular season is – conducive to high scoring games for sure um but 
I think for now, I'm going to just stick with the Hawks to win uh, at home and just kind of lean on that. Like last season, they won 13 of their last 14 home games against Eastern Conference teams. Doesn't matter if they were contenders or not. They were just rolling at home. They've opened with winning two of three, dropping one against Charlotte, which is a puzzling one. But then they come back and clap Milwaukee. And that's just to me, if they can actually beat the Bucs, who are playing at an extremely high level and the Sixers are playing at a, are, are very inconsistent, very dysfunctional so far early in the season. I, I definitely lean towards the Hawks winning this game. All right. You said a lot of stuff. I should have been writing some notes down because I definitely have something for everything that you just said. And, and I want to clarify, this is a four game slate, some weird back to backs. Um, so there's a lot of conflicting factors. There's some weirdness to it. I don't feel great about the fact that I, really i i lean over um because the, the the conflicting factors here are the the hawks and sixers right and the way that they play i want to clarify did, are you talking about their uh when you talk about their recent matchups going under were you also referencing their playoff games though or were you only That's talking regular season, season yeah okay all right cool Damn. All right. Because either way, obviously, in the playoffs, you expect a bit lower scoring, right? Especially once you get to the conference finals, like uh, the, uh, the conference semis, um, like that that game was, but or that series was that they played. Um, but yeah, even in, in the regular season, I mean, the last two alone were the exact same score with uh, just each, each team winning one of them, right? 98-96. You, like you said, you can throw away some of the stuff here. What I'm looking at and, and what I'm sort of leaning towards and why I lean over is all the stuff that, you know, that I kind of put down in, our, uh, in, in some of our notes that we talk about occasionally before the game where, you know, I'm looking at like the way that they're just different on the road this season than they are at home is Philadelphia, right? And so their, their road offense is much better, 117 at home or on the road, which is good for second best overall um, versus 110 at home, 43% from three on the road this season. I mean, 37% at home, still really good. But I mean, 43% is like Steph Curry as a team, right? Which is pretty crazy. They score six more points in the paint per game at home. Um, obviously a little bit, I do think it's their, their game is a lot more tailored to playing a bit faster, which they do giving, getting the ball down low to Embiid, which, you know, even if it takes some time off the clock or it goes slow when he's getting fouled 10 times a game and getting to the free throw line, 10 times a game, rather getting fouled more than that. It, it stops the clock, right? I mean, it, it allows for more possessions, at least, um, as that we know that possession is probably going to come to an end with either a defensive rebound or him hitting a free throw. Um, so, you know, I, I do think there's opportunity in this one for things to turn around a bit in terms of the, the history of these teams going under so consistently. I, I do think there's consistently a playoff atmosphere. Trey's a little bit better on the road than he is at home. Um, but you know, look, a bunch more stuff. Not only are they better on offense uh, on the road is Philly. They're also much, uh, you know, like I said, they play faster. Their defense is worse. Uh, 22nd overall in their, in terms of their rating on the road versus 10th at home. Um, they allow four more fast break points per game playing at that faster pace. They allow six more points per game off of turnovers on the road than they do at home. Once again, playing at a little faster pace. Um, they're four and one to the over this season on the road versus one and five to the over at home, uh, this season so far. So a complete reversal there. Um, Embiid on the road versus this team is very, very good. Um, You know, 28 and a half points right now is his prop. 
I want to touch it. Maybe we'll talk about that in the props video. We are still waiting for a few things to come out, but I, I do like the the, the boards. I, I fear that you know it, it's probably going to be about eleven and a half is his prop tonight, and it's that's about what he averages is twelve a game against this team on the road. Um, I just I think they're they're the thing that really makes me want to believe in Philly tonight as well at one and a half point dogs as we're talking about this. I know we've been talking mostly about the total. I think you feel pretty good about the Hawks and the way that, like you said, they come out uh, and play incredibly well against the top teams in the East. I would bank on that being the case tonight. I just would also bank on Embiid coming out, having a big performance and also sort of an addition by subtraction of James Harden. And it's not that James Harden himself is necessarily uh, detrimental, obviously. It's more just the fact that, uh, you know, when, when Harden's out there, it's a different style of play. It doesn't allow guys like Embiid and, and Maxi to open up and, and be, get to their spots. Those two guys play together incredibly well, uh, Maxi and Embiid, as they don't take away from each other at all. I mean, since last season, when we know what Maxi does when when Harden or Embiid are out, right? Just one of them is out, and you put Maxi in there, and we're talking about a complete jump in all of his stats across the board offensively, and especially because of the usage. Um, but Embiid over the last two seasons, when when Harden isn't there this season and last season, one game this season, 47 games last season, we're talking 29 and a half points and 11 and a half boards a game, four and a half assists as well, right, for Embiid. So there's a lot of reason to like the way that he and the offense flow when Harden's not out there. To, frank, to be frank, I'm not saying like this isn't a team that can win with all those guys on the floor. I just think if they're going to continue to play the way they played before Harden went out, where it was just three ball, three ball, three ball. I don't feel as good about that as I do about Harden playing point guard and allowing Maxi and, and Embiid to cook, which is what they're going to do in this game without Harden. Yeah, I mean, my bad off the top saying everyone's on a back-to-back. The Sixers are actually have not played since Monday, so they do exactly. have a rest advantage here. That does help a little bit when you look at their pace numbers and, and scoring. Atlanta's does tend to go – I mean, they were 10-7 and seven, uh, to the over on, on zero days rest last year, so – and, and one this year, so ten and seven since last season. Yeah, and the Sixers, like you said, I mean, they four and zero on the road um, to the over. So there's definitely something there, yeah, um, and, and the offense being faster when yeah. you get the ball in Maxi's hands more, when you uh, let Tobias Harris be more of a of a factor and not just like a stand in the corner. And, and yeah, I mean, Harden's going to drain your pace, especially yeah. if you're playing through both Harden and Embiid. That's why the Sixers for a while last year, I think, we're playing at like a 92 pace. And I'm one of the slowest yeah. teams out there. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't mind the the over if you can get it a little bit lower, uh, if you can kind of pounce on it, if, if it does trend to go down. Um, but this is an interesting schedule where it's a home-and-home home set. Two uh, two nights later and sat- on Saturday, they're going back to Philly to play again. And I just think these are the types of teams to just split at home Um the Sixers last year were a little bit yeah. better away from home, but we saw in years prior they were just like clockwork, losing on the road, then right. coming back at home. Um, and look, Atlanta, it's just, yeah, it's just a case of when they have games circled. Like I'm looking at kind of the angle with the other game too here. Portland, they knew they were in a back-to-back situation. They did not bring it against a feisty jazz team necessarily um, got some key guys rest and got geared up for this game, which is the one they want to win when they, when they're engaged. I do worry that their, their defense is going to be good enough to slow down the Sixers um, and keep it under. And, and so that's what kind of why I shy away from the total. But I mean, when you have transcendent stars yeah. like Trey young and Joel Embiid, the efficiency can go through the roof there. 
and you can get over. Um, but yeah, I would I would look at Trey being the guy who sets the tone here. Maybe some player performance doubles for him to get thirty, get a double double, and, and lead the Hawks to a win in this situation. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I, I really do. I don't see a blowout for either team because I think they're both geared up for this one. I think it's almost like a pseudo live bet situation because we have this home at home where I think we're both like, I don't know exactly who's going to win this game, but I feel pretty good that whoever doesn't win is going to win the next <laughs> one, right? And we can feel good about whoever we bet on, you know, the, the previous loser in this next game uh, as they play the, this this home at home uh, against each other. So, Nate, let's jump into those lines and then get into the, uh, all things Pellies and Blazers. Yeah, most teams are on a back-to-back here with the schedule adjusted. So we had no games on Tuesday. Then almost everyone played last night. Mavs, minus 3.5 at the Wizards. Uh, Both teams on a back-to-back there. And the total is 208. Sixers are plus 1.5 at the Hawks. Total of 222. We do break that game down for you. Talk about some angles. Hornets, plus 11 at the Heat. And then this game, right now, Blazers are plus six and a half at the Pelicans, gaining a little steam, opening at plus seven. Uh, money lines plus 220, total 226. I'm going to steer away from a total uh, just right off the bat when you have high efficiency scores uh, like Zion Williamson and potential blow-up candidates like Damian Lillard and, and Anthony Simons. Uh, it can go either way. I mean, Portland has not been playing over. This season, they've act, they actually have the most turnovers per game and therefore the fewest field goal attempts. They're not playing with much pace either, uh, but making up for it with good defense and clutch defense down the stretch. Um, they're second in fourth quarter points per game allowed. Uh, and so you saw you've seen them just be cover machines right now. Nine and two against the spread, five and one on the road. Three and one on this road trip, the exception being after they beat the Suns, the Suns came back, beat them by 20 uh, in a little quick revenge opportunity there. The, the last full Dame season, you know, two years ago when he played, they were 24 and 15 against the spread on the road. Pretty much the same record straight up, 10 and seven against the spread on back to backs. And they're in a better position on a back to back here. Because Yusuf Nurkic and Jeremy Grant both rested last night against the Hornets, who they felt clearly felt they could win that game without those guys. Not as and not as important yeah. as they were going to be in this matchup against Joe Val and Zion Williamson. Uh, and so those those injuries just kind of popped up late, and it's almost you know transparent load management, right? When you just like, yeah, they they're going to sit the front end here, um, and then they're going to be fresh for this one and. Look, Joe Val had a very inefficient game the one time he faced Nurkic uh, with the Pelicans. Nurkic has a 105 individual defensive rating this year. Uh, I mean, Jeremy Grant is not going to be a Zion stopper. I don't. I, Zion's going to do what he does here. For me, the key is can you slow down CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram? Um, and now that Josh Hart mm. is on this side of the ball, uh, you know, on the Blazers, he's definitely a good candidate to put on to put on CJ. Um, Dude, is your is your head spinning with this Doctor Revenge angle? Yeah. <laughs> Who do I take? I guess yeah, they swapped some guys, so we got we got familiar foes on each side. But the the point is Dame. I mean who isn't putting up huge numbers, but just as a leader, the way he says, seems to set the tone. I mean, he's the guy I credit for a lot of this um, early results for the Blazers, even though he's missed 
well, multiple yeah. weeks, but signed and stepping yeah. right in. I mean, they had a pretty soft schedule during that those games he missed. But his last four against the Pelicans, Damian, 42 points per game with a 142 offensive rating. Um, and they went 3-1 and one in, in those games. They won three straight. The last time they lost, well, kind of because Josh Hart was on the other side of the ball. Again, he was a plus 18. Mm-hmm. He went for 25-5. and five. We gush about Mr. Hart on this program uh, and what he brings on the wing. And when Dame was out, now you see you're seeing some of those young bench guys start to thrive. And in their last game, like I said, they bench basically rest Grant and Nurkic, and they they had uh, 35 bench points against the Hornets. Um, and so that's extremely valuable to be able to carry that over against Pelicans, who have a strong bench unit. Also, some young guys there, Trey Murphy, Alvarado, who who will come off in the bench and give you uh, good effort, but I mean, with the Pelicans, you got to look at the points in the paint versus three-point ratio, right? Yeah. Uh, that they they just don't make threes. They're the worst three-point shooting team, lowest percentage. Everything comes inside the arc. And the Blazers yeah. have been pretty good denying paint points on the road. They've been especially good in, their, in during this road trip. They are one of the best teams limiting your two-point shooting uh, mid-range shots. So, again, CJ probably might not have a great game in this Dr. Revenge situation. Uh, I mean, it all amounts to just, I trust them to be able to keep this close enough that the Pelicans have been kind of overvalued since their hot start first couple games. Uh, They're two and six against the spread in their last eight. And they're one and four after a win this season against the spread. And Last year, not a great record on back-to-backs. And with Zion, you have to worry about a back-to-back situation and just how his efficiency is going to be or whether the Pelicans are going to rein him in at all because his health is so tenuous. He played 31 minutes last night, and in his only back-to-back this season, he had his worst, uh, second-worst offensive rating, and he had seven turnovers in that game. He's been a big uh, minus in terms of the plus-minus in their last three losses. And yeah, you got to question his ability to defend on that end as well. So short rest, I think I like the, I like the Blazers situation a lot more on short rest. I I think they're being undervalued overall this season. Right. Um, I I think we, you know, like you said, Dame really was sort of the, the reason at the beginning of the season that I think we all, you know, weren't surprised that they were playing above um, what the expectations were just dominating the, the, you know, the, the, against the spread record, like you said, already nine and two on the season on the road, five and one. Um, So all of that is obviously because their ability to exceed expectations has been at the beginning of the season, completely predicated on Dame's ability to, to, lift them up, not necessarily carry them as other guys have been uh, doing their part. Um, But at the end of the day, right, like he's the superstar and the ceiling is wherever his ceiling is, right? That's, that's the team ceiling. So um, I, I, the interesting part though, is that then during his, um, his injury and, and before he came back last night, you look at their record against the spread, I believe they only failed to cover once. And that was because they really Phoenix was pissed that they beat them by two in overtime without Dame um, and then came back and pounded them by 20 in the next game. That was their only game they failed to cover in that time frame. So um, that also speaks to not just, you know, what Dame is doing, but they, they finally got the right pieces around him because what we've been saying since, uh, you know, Dame and, and, and CJ and really since Dame has been, 
the man in Portland and, and we realized that he was sort of stolen with, you know, whatever pick they got him at. It was like eighth or something ridiculous. Um, you know, since that time and, and since that's been the identity of this team, we've been waiting for them to be a good defensive team. And that's what they are. And, and you, you talked about a number of the stats that are important um, when you're playing the Pellies. Also, I want to be clear, neither of us think that there's a human being on the planet capable of stopping Zion as good of a defender and long and tall as he might be uh, in terms of Jeremy Grant, even somewhat stronger than, than he might seem with his wiry frame. There's not a human being really that's been built that can stay in front of Zion at this point uh, consistently, right? So it, no, there's no such thing as a stopper, but if you're going to bother him um, and obviously just play off of him and allow him to shoot a lot more, Jeremy Grant's a guy that can close out and, and is able to give him more space um, to play off of him. Obviously, if he gets put in, into the, the paint, you worry about it, but... With Nurk down there this season, with him being healthy, which is also what we've been speaking about for Dame since Nurkic got there from Denver, is can this man stay healthy? Because and and can he stay on the floor without fouling? And that's what he's done this season enough to allow them to be a lot better uh, of a defense in the paint. Um, there's at least you know it, it respectable at this point in uh, in terms of being in the top fifteen and uh, defending the paint so far. Then uh, in terms of limiting points uh, in, in in the second chance points, which is also what you worry about uh, with with this uh, when you're playing the Pellies also able to do all that stuff right so and, and I believe they're seventh right now in terms of limiting second chance points um, their defensive rebound percentage is finally not like 28th in the league it's like top 15 um, so as long as you're a respectable team on defense which their defensive rating is also in the top 10 this year which is very very respectable um, then you're going to be able to, to win games if Dame Lillard is on your team and then you have uh, a 1B like Anthony uh, Anthony Simons uh, and, and the like so I, I love the the value of, of seven Seven, like seven and I think it's seven and a half at this point in some places that you can get um, you know that spread actually it's gone down on DraftKings but I saw it uh, in a couple spots also already at seven and a half so I'll take this game all the way down to like five to be honest with you I'll take all those points for the for the Blazers who have been plenty good on the road um, and who have shored up the areas where last year I would be like terrified even if Dame was on this team last year, I would have been terrified to pick against the Pellies with Zion Williamson there, especially the way that, that the, the Blazers were playing defense uh, and the way that the Pellies would get to the rim. But yeah, th this year it's a little bit of a different story. And, and I, I feel I, right alongside what you were saying, Nurk and Jeremy Grant, weird scratches yesterday, specifically so that they could play in this game. Like who were they worried about in yesterday's game? Terry Rozier going six for 20 from the field on Charlotte. There's nobody on that team right now. So it was, it was a very good call by Chauncey Billups, who, we may end up all owing an apology too, because he might be a good coach too. Come push, come to shove this season. We find out. Yeah, I mean he's doing a great job so far. We love we love Mr. Big Shot on this program. Never never really slandered him too much. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean the Pelicans. Going back to their struggles, like what it took for them to get this win and to cover for the first time. I mean they covered against the Warriors, who were on a back to back on the road and were just not competing. Yeah. To beat the Bulls last night. They had 36 free throw attempts, 13 offensive rebounds, and they needed Chicago to shoot seven for 27 from three because that's the way they play, right? They pack it in. They allow the six most attempts from downtown. And Portland is not a team that you want to dare to shoot. And, I mean, they got two of the best snipers in the league. Um, and then guys who, who are spotting up, including Josh Hart. Yep. Um so I, I don't think that they're just they're going to be able to pull away from this team unless Portland just goes absolutely ice cold. But down the stretch, like they they they're obviously a Damian Lillard led team. Like I said, eighth and fourth quarter scoring, and second and fourth quarter defense. So it, I think it's going to be at least close down the stretch. I don't mind a plus two twenty for the Blazers to pull out the win. 
um, I just I think it's more of a toss up game that that that's incorrectly listed right now because the Pelicans are just not they're not blowing blowing anybody away right now. I mean, aside from yep. that opening game against Brooklyn, like they haven't been overly impressive. You're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Yeah, I'm going to go with the 76er to target this Hawks defense, but it's not their two big guys. It's number three banana, uh, Tobias Harris, who I think actually stands to benefit the most from James Harden being out. Uh, when Harden's in there, he's asked to just be a corner three-point shooter and maybe the most expensive three and D guy in the league. Uh, we know his skill set is a little more versatile than that, and he can get to the rim. He can get it going in the mid-range. He's had a lot of success against Atlanta, uh, You know, a team that gives up the most points per game to power forwards, the also the fifth most rebounds per game to power forwards. So... 16 and a half is the points prop for Tobias, pretty low. Uh, and that's plus 100 at FanDuel. DraftKings bumped it down to 15 and a half and made it minus 130. I mean, I think I, I'd be comfortable going up for 17 points without Harden since the 2021. He's averaging 19 points per game. He sees a spike in usage rate, 6% spike, uh, along with another rebound and a half. And in three this season since Harden's injury, 20 points per game, about nine rebounds, almost five assists per game. So the PRA is in play. I like the points and rebounds, 23 and a half, uh, the way the Hawks play at home with a ton of pace. Um, and, and what he's done against the Hawks, like I mentioned, his last six, 18 points per game. So you're right there, seven and a half rebounds, 22% usage rate with Harden in or out of the lineup, but I just think the absence of Harden will result in a lot more reliable usage for Tobias. Yeah, that, that all seems fair. I mean, I'm happy to take any of those, those dudes, um, you know, when, when uh, James Harden is out really between uh, Embiid, Maxi, and um, you know, Tobias, I, I like what you're saying there. I, I do feel good about Embiid too, but uh, you know, talk about him in a minute um, as well. Not, not like we said, not a ton to choose from tonight, but there's, there's a few here that we can get next to uh, including Terry Rozier taking on the Miami heat. The idea behind him having a 21 and a half point, prop there on DK. Uh, I believe the, the the idea behind that is there's nobody else on that team right now that you feel great about with no LaMelo, no, um, you know, Cody Martin and no uh, Gordon Hayward at this point. Um, I guess Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier are doing most of the shooting last night. I mean, Terry Rozier put the ball up 20 times against the Blazers, which was uh, seven more than the next man on the, on the squad and, and failed to really went one of seven from inside the arc, despite going five of 13 uh, from deep, which is plenty good, right? Hitting five threes and shooting nearly 40% still didn't, you know, was, wasn't able to get the, the 21 and a half points he had to, uh, on this prop. Uh, and the Miami heat are, you know, not the defense that 
that they were last year at this point right now. Um, definitely something to some key guys missing time here and there. They they obviously uh, miss PJ Tucker and have not gelled fully uh, defending the three as well as they did last season. Um, not shockingly, PJ Tucker helping Philly up their three point defense a ton this season. Uh, so it looks like he definitely uh, has a massive impact on that. Um, but you know, w- with all that said, like there's still uh, there's no one on on Charlotte right now that Miami needs to focus on outside of him. I think keep Kelly Oubre at bay in the, in the event that he randomly has one of those games that he goes off. Um, but mostly all eyes are going to be on Rozier, whose career against this team is just really, really bad. Uh, his last four versus Miami, we're tying 13 points a game. He's gotten 16 or less in all of those. Uh, in nine career games at Miami. Obviously, some of this is skewed by when he was, uh, as you say, a pe- uh, sort of a piot on, on the Celtics back in the day before he got out from under those shadows uh, and was a pretty good player on this team. Uh, but nine career games uh, in Miami, seven points a game, less than four boards, less than two assists in all those uh, games as well. So uh, Miami's defense this year in, in terms of opposing point guards, still super good in the top 10 and limiting them in points and uh, assists. Uh, actually give up a ton of rebounds to them, but I, I don't really even know what that's about. Still about seven boards a game, which is the most against point guards, oddly enough. But it's really about the usage. Obviously, you think Terry's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to put up at least 20 shots again in this game. Um, but even if, if he does, you still feel good about Miami's defense. You also feel good that this might be a blowout uh, and that Rozier might not need to be playing all of these minutes, uh, continuing to chuck up shots if they're down by 20 plus by, say, the middle of the third quarter, right? Yeah, I the last two with the Hornets at Miami, you know, you talk about his career, but they're, they're still not good. And his plus minus is minus 19. And both of those games have been blowouts. So with, with the Hornets plus 11 here, I think you're kind of hedging um, against Charlotte being competitive in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, you get him off the floor. His usage rate is going to be really high given the situation. So I think that's why we both saw plus 145 for three turnovers. And yeah. said, ooh, give me that. Because <laughs> uh, we want to, in some way, bet on like a lot of field goal attempts and not a lot of makes and just like a, a gross performance here in some ways. Um so I'm kind of interested in the over on turnovers and also kind of over on rebounds when you back that up with with some numbers. I mean, he, the amount of playing time he's been getting, five rebounds is the prop. And I think he should be around there for sure. I was scared to add the peripheral stats here because I think yeah. it's mostly just going to be a poor shooting percentage. But he'll be out there doing everything else and playing 30 seven minutes if it's close you know down the stretch if it's close which it, yeah. it, it, which it probably won't be i we should also mention the uh miami forces the third most amount of turnovers uh in the league so yeah i feel pretty good about that yeah look i'm looking at a revenge angle here josh but it is an under in that revenge spot Kristaps porzingis going up against the mavericks and he did get some numbers last year uh, in his first chance to get revenge against Dallas. He went for 24, 9, and 4, which certainly gets him over this prop tonight at 33.5 PRA. But second game of a back-to-back, third game in four nights for the Wiz. In his career on short rest, Porzingis under 19 points per game with his lowest usage rate in that situation. In his last three, as the schedule has tightened up and as he's faced some pretty tough interior teams, uh, 14 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, uh, shooting 34% from the field, 25% from deep. Uh, and Dallas, I mean, it's for me, it's more just about how scared you are of Dallas defensively and how scared you are of the way they play in terms of pace. Uh, they're dead last in pace. So it's hard to take an over 
against them uh, unless it's some sort of elite half court scorer like Kevin Durant, for example. It just generally devolves into a low scoring game. Like I said, the total is 208 in this game. And I still kind of want to take under with the way Washington's been shut down. They were held to 86 in a matchup with the Nets recently. Um, and Dallas allows the fewest three pointers, fewest three pointers to centers as well. Uh, fewest rebounds per game to centers, second fewest points per game. They have more bulk now. Christian Wood, Josh Green is playing a nice role there at the at this the, the, the four. Um, so I don't think Porzingis is going to be able to just assert his will because he wants some revenge here. I think he goes under with the PRA and under 21 and a half points. I don't hate that either, but I think you can trust him to struggle with the peripheral stats as well and kind of take that round number. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy uh, to go under when, when you talk about down low uh, against the, the Mavs, Seawood's out. Uh, he's not actually traveling with the team on this little two-game trip. Uh, they definitely could have used him against all of the seven-footers that play on uh, Orlando last night, who also didn't have Paolo, still won that game. Uh, shout out this show for calling that. But uh, I still feel good about it, even without Seawood. It's not like he's an all-world defender by any means. He's a great rebounder, uh, which hurts you. But, I mean, he's also playing a lot of that second unit, right, ball. So it's not necessarily like he would be matched up on Chris Stapps too, too often. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you on it. So, yeah, I'll go under there and then finish with hypothetical overs. I mean, Embiid has his props up. It's 28 and a half points. It's a lot of points. Um, you, you can find that on a couple spots. Um, it, it's a lot of points. I, I'm not too, too worried about it uh, at 28 and a half right now, just because of, of what he's done there as of late, right? Uh, if you look at uh, the last, let's say, what, how five versus Atlanta on the road. We talked about that in the game video. 27 points, slightly under it, 12 boards, three assists. Um, the, the rebounding prop as well, uh, I believe for him, Still sat, yeah, it was 10 and a half, which I like because I said at 11 and a half, I would consider it uh, at 10 and a half. I'd probably take that. The points, if you, I, there's a discrepancy here, right? If you watch that game video, a little spoiler, there's a little bit of a discrepancy between Nate and I. Um, I. I think there's points. There's reasons to believe there's points. If you look at the history between these two teams, there's reasons to think there aren't going to be points. I do think this year's teams are different enough from the, the matchups that these two teams have played in the past that this game should be higher than the less than 100 points scored by one team in pretty much every matchup over the last like seven times they've played. I think both teams get closer to that 110, 111 mark so that we can get an over at 220. Uh, and then you feel good about both Embiid at 20 and a half points with a faster pace. I like the 10 and a half boards for sure. I even might like that a little bit more, uh, the 10 and a half rebounds than I like the points to be honest, because I always get a little bit nervous at 20 and a half points from anyone who's not named Shea Gilders Alexander this season, um, but or, or Luca, I guess. Um, but either way, you know, for, for the boards for him, the points for Trey, which is something that you and I are still waiting on here that we're not able to see. We've got a bunch more uh, 76ers props up right now that we're seeing than those those Hawks props. But let's say Trey gets the same 28 and a half, 27 and a half. I actually like his points a little bit more than I like Embiid's points tonight. He actually gets to the free throw line a bit more in these matchups than, than Embiid. It's like 9.4 a game for Embiid, 9.7. Uh, uh, for Trey in these last like three matchups between these teams or so during the regular season. Uh, so I, I think there's opportunity for both teams to, you know, to, to score a lot, to keep that pace high, to get a lot of boards for MB, to get a lot of points for Trey. Uh, and I feel good about potentially an over at 220 in this one. Yeah, I think if you want to take Embiid at 20 and a half, take him 30 points in the win. I'm not the biggest fan, as we say in the game video, though, um, of the Sixers winning this game, but plus 270 right now for Embiid to get 30 in the win. I don't really see a path to victory for the Sixers. 
without Embiid having right. a nice 30-point game here. Uh, and the double-double is around plus 200. That does seem very reliable in terms of him getting 10 boards as well. So, yeah, I'm still waiting to see what Trey, Trey has in store, but I would imagine he's a pretty good bet to get 30 points here as well. Um, and, and so I'll be interested in his props when they come out. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's what he's averaging against this team uh, at home uh, in six career matchups. <laughs> so since he's come into the league, uh, he, he's averaging 30 a game at home against his team. Loves, loves coming out against the 76ers, as we saw when he knocked them out of the playoffs a little while ago. But that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. Continue to follow along with us, like and subscribe to that page. We will be bringing you these videos. As you can see, being on vacation will not stop us. Um, we will see you tomorrow. So until we see you then, happy betting.